Hello, everybody. This is Bill Knauer, and you're listening to Author to Author, where we talk about writing and life. Because what it takes to write the book you want to write is also what it takes to lead the life you want to lead. It's true. Yes, it is. Author to Author is brought to you by Author Magazine, a premier free writing magazine on the Internet featuring articles on writing. You know, the craft of writing, the business of writing, but also writing life. Just what is it to be a person and a writer? How do you balance that? Got articles on that. I write about it three times a week for the magazine, the editor's blog. Got that. But we also have video interviews with best-selling and award-winning authors across the genres. Got one with uh, Kira Jane Buxton. Very interesting woman. Very interesting woman. Actress. but Also YA novel. Her book, uh, Hollow Kingdom. Doing very well. Anyway, check it out. She's a pretty cool person. Great conversation. Go check it out at authormagazine.org. And we're funded by the Pacific Northwest Writers Association. Uh, these people have been supporting writers from Penda Publications since 1955. Yes, they have. And, uh, well, things are slowed down a little bit now. We can't gather together. But once the quarantine is lifted and we're allowed to go back and mix and mingle with each other, there will be monthly meetings. There's a writers' comp- uh, conference in September. It's a great organization. I'm a part of it. Actually, hey, now here's something interesting. I'm going to be teaching on April fourth a fearless writing class now this was going to be done in issaquah at our uh the pnwa's headquarters but well we can't do that now because you know what but we're still gonna have the class but we're gonna do it online so you don't have to be in in uh the seattle area no you can be down in california you can be in south carolina you can be in portland maine it doesn't matter where you are you can attend this class so go head on over uh, you can either contact me through my website, williamkenauer.com, or go over to pnwa.org, and you can learn about that. That's just the way it works with the Pacific Northwest Writers Association. Okay, so oh, we got a we got a debut novelist. I love having them on. This is someone who's been around writing her whole life, and now she's got her first novel out. Susan Zarenda taught literature, composition, and creative writing to thousands of high school and college students for 33 years, but then she turned her attention to putting a novel in her heart on paper the genesis of which started with a short story that won a fiction prize some years ago and now has turned into Bells for Eli. Yes. Now, during her years of teaching at Spartanburg Community College and then as an AP English teacher at Spartanburg High School, Susan published short stories and won numerous regional awards such as the South Carolina Fiction Prize, which she won twice, yes, Porter Fleming Competition, the Southern Writers Symposium of Emerging Writers uh, Fiction Contest, the Hub City Hardegree uh, contest in Fiction, Alabama Bama Conclave First Novel Chapter Contest, and twice won the Jubilee Writing Competition. In fact, she's published six stories in literary magazines since just 2018, and she's with us today. Yes, she is. Susan, how are you doing? I am doing just fine. Thank you, Bill, for having me on the show. You are welcome. Congratulations. Congratulations on Bells for Eli. You must... Thank You're you. You're a proud mama. Uh, uh, you, it came out. How do you feel? How are you doing? How do you feel about it? Nervous? Um, Relieved? No, well, Bored? No, How I, do you feel? I, no, I'm, I'm doing fine. I, there's been so much planning to, to get this book out into the world, and I'm excited for it to be out there, and I'm pleased with how well it's done in its short life. Good. Yes, it's just begun. It's just begun. You know, you and I were chatting beforehand 
as I've been chatting with some other writer friends of mine about all that's going on, but it occurs to me, people got to do something when they're sitting at home. And one of the things they might do is read. I do think uh, maybe books will keep, hopefully, maybe books will sell even more during this odd time. What do you think? You think that's possible? What does your gut tell you? I think that's entirely possible because, of course, books can put us into worlds, any world we want to be in, even if we're isolated and secluded in our own homes. Yes, that's right. That's right. Okay. So worlds you want. So writing, writing, writing. You taught writing for a long time. Uh, did, were you always interested in writing? Were you just a really good student who said, well, I can teach writing. I, do I, when did it start for you? When did your interest in the written word begin? Well, I've always loved reading. My, my mother was an elementary school teacher, and my father used to take her children's lit book that she'd had in college and read poetry to my brother and me at night. Really? He liked, oh. you know, fun little Orphan Annie or Rudyard Kipling poems, things with the, right. where language, you know, was really key. And, and so very early on I was, you know, transfixed by the sound of language. So I've always, always been a, been a reader, though I started out life as a music major, um, oh. and, and, and and managed to to make the transfer, much to my mother's disappointment. But she handled <laughs> it well. She wanted you to be a what? A singer, pianist, violinist, a pianist, Tell- a pianist. So I I went oh. to college where there was an excellent school of music. Took a class, an elective class in southern literature, my sophomore year. Fell in love, knew I had found my calling, and um, right. it went from there. But I, but I did a lot of you know writing all throughout my life. I was a big journaler. I used to write peanut yeah. skits for my friends to perform at talent shows and <laughs> all such as that. So all right, so talk to me about. So I I love music. Uh, I played the flute for many years. Now I write oh, music on the piano. I just love music. And talk to me about that switch because you were, I assume, studying sort of um, classical piano or jazz. Yes. Or, but I assume it's yes. performance-based, not not yes. compositional. Maybe well, it was. I don't it was, know. It was education-based, but, but there was a performance minor in there. I and I, um, I ended up with music as a minor. But I do think, at least for me personally, there's a strong connection. I am not a musical prodigy, and I convinced my mother of that. I do not have perfect pitch. Um, right. Sight reading was even difficult for me, but the talent that I had was a feel for the piano, or I had a short uh. story, a feeling for the piano. And, and so what I think I possessed with music, which was a passion, that also is the same in my writing. If if I have a talent there, it is that I have the ability to feel and to create genuine emotion. Um, right. So I think that's something that's powerful both in the discipline of music and of writing. You know what I tell my students, Susan, my <laughs> writing students? I say the real human currency is feeling. And that is writers, yes. that's what we're selling. We're just selling feeling. Right. That's it. Yeah. That's it. Because yeah. what, what all we care about is what it means to be human. That's right. And I'll tell you what, I don't care who you are. You can live at the top of a mountain. You can live in a mansion. You can live in a squatter's cabin. You want to feel good and not bad. That never, ever changes. No matter who you are, where you are for that's all right. of time. That's, that's right. That's exactly most right. And I didn't mean in the all we care about is, 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 you know, being human, but it's, it's now, way up on the top of our list. Oh, I think it's, I think in, at the end of the day, I think that is all that matters. I personally believe right. that. 
So I'm going to stay right with it. So, all right. So you, it sounded like you had your eyes squinting into the future and thinking about education, that maybe you wanted to be a teacher. Right. Is that true? Well, I, yes, I had always. My, I, I'm the fifth generation of teachers in my family. Wow. Um, wow. Yes. Uh, yeah, my, my, and my older daughter Jesus. tried it for a while, but quit stopped. <laughs> That's going back so, to like yes, the Civil te- War, for God's sake. Yes, yes, I had a great grandmother who was a teacher. So, yes, wow. teaching is in my is in my blood, and I I'm I, this is the truth. I loved teaching literature. I just it it. I loved when I could engage students and and try to help. I mean, when they when I felt like they really felt what I wanted them to feel that literature is about what makes us human, and you learn more yeah. about that and understand it better when you study literature. And I loved teaching writing. I just didn't like grading all the essays. Oh God, that would have killed me. I, uh, I was judge not lest you. Well, but so you, but you had to do it. So, but you taught literature, literature, and and mm-hmm. how did you when you taught literature? Did you what were you were you trying to teach them how to appreciate it? What were you hoping to? Yes. They would gain because I when I would took literature classes, I always just felt like, well, I just want to read it and then just leave me alone, and I'll just go off and like it. But there has to be more. You can't just do that. So how? What did you do? Like how yeah. did you help them? By teaching it, I, I wanted I wanted them to to understand. I mean, back to this, I don't mean to sound like a broken record, but I wanted no. them to understand that through books, we understand more about what it means to be human. That we're not just our own little perspective, but when we read about others, I mean, you can you can be southern and you can read southern characters, but you can still have your perspective enhanced and take the blinders off to. To to live other people's experiences, and when we yeah. live other people's experiences, we grow. What, what does that mean to you? What it means to be human? Because you know, it's funny. I was I was writing a I, I write essays often about raising one of my sons who was on the spectrum, and one of the things I felt I learned about raising a kid who was coming at things so differently was I felt he taught me to really understand what it meant to be human. And that I have mm-hmm. my mm-hmm. understanding. And that's exactly the words I would use when I would talk right. about. So what does that mean to right. you? When you say well, what it I, means I to be human, it, what does that mean? I think it helps us to um, have more empathy. You know, this, when I, and this, this even came from writing the novel. I realized when I finished the novel that I was a little bit different person for having written it. Because yeah. my character, Eli, suffers um, uh, he's ostracized. He's bullied by his peers because, as a child, he's he looks outwardly different and he's weaker. And by the time I finished the novel, I thought I could feel what it felt like to be Eli. And for one thing, I'm not male. Great. And for another right. thing, I've I've never had a physical disability that would lead to an emotional disability. And and it I I just my knowledge was expanded. My understanding of humanity was expanded. Does that right. make sense? Yes, absolutely. And it's great that you, you see, this is the beauty of writing is that, you know, you've, you've create this. Well, you know what, actually what I say to my students is when you write a book, the book, once you give it to the world, the book belongs to the readers. They're going to do with it. And you're going to learn yes. this if you haven't already, they're going to do with it what right. they do with it. But exactly. But what you gain in writing it how you change in writing it that's what really belongs to you and it sounds like Absolutely. and i'm so happy for you that you did find that you changed it so i think that i think you should always feel like you changed a little bit when you finish something 
if you really I agree, did. and I didn't really expect that. You know, I thought, well, yeah. I've created these characters. I'm I'm in control here, and it turned <laughs> out that the, that really wasn't true. These characters no. were going to be who they were going to be, and it, yeah. it just I don't know. It just taught me. It just taught me about people different from myself. It sounds crazy because they they came out of me, but in coming uh, out of me, they were different from me. Yeah, no, they they come through you. It's it's you know what you are describing is 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 the absolutely most common experience of the fiction writer, really of all writers. I don't write fiction anymore, but I still I'm writing about my own life, but I still have to discover. Mm-hmm. I'm always discovering, always discovering. Mm-hmm. And this is the way it yes, works. You discover you, you, things about yourself you haven't yes, known or understood. Of course, of course. So let's talk about that moment. So you're teaching writing and teaching literature, and you were loving it. You're a happy person. You're there, and you're the same town. Is it a smallish town? Um, yes, a Spartanburg, a Spartanburg is, is, is about the fourth. Yes, the fourth biggest town in South Carolina, but we're a rural oh, state. Oh, well, not that small. Okay. <laughs> so well, it's still a fairly small town. Most okay. people know so, folks in the grocery store. Right. Okay. So it's a small town America ish and you're you're there and you're liking it, but you get the itch. You've always been journaling, but it's one thing to journal and to, it's another thing to say, I want to write something and send it to literary magazines, et cetera. When did that begin for you? When did you decide to take that turn? Um, I think it happened toward the end of college. My my first job out of college was um a general news reporter for the hometown oh. paper here, the Spartanburg Herald Journal. And when I wasn't out writing, you know, features, uh, go, going and searching for human interest stories, um, back back in those days, everybody sat in the newsroom together and everybody had a typewriter and you needed to look busy all the time, even if you didn't have a story <laughs> going. So I would just pull... <laughs> I would pull my stuff out of the drawer, and I started my first short story then, and it's not a story that I would want to try to get published, but I actually did use um, a little part of a character in that story in the novel. So you, you never oh. don't ever throw away anything you've written because it's you, you never know when you're going to use it. But I, when I was writing one night, I thought, you know that character I wrote in that story wow. I never tried to do anything else with called The Hayride? I need to go back and look at that character. And um, so I used him, and uh, wow. so we never know. But I, I, I always, you know, I wanted to write. I was the editor of my college newspaper. I, I right. thought I would be a journalist um, initially, and it was just hard to, back in those days, you put the paper to bed at midnight, and I was yeah. a young bride, and my husband had day hours, and I loved it. But I also loved the idea of teaching. So in the end, I said, I think I'm going to, just try teaching, see how it goes. I loved it, and I just didn't go back to to written journalism. Right, but did you? Well, so while you were teaching, do you, were you still noodling around with stories at all, or did you just have too much oh, yeah. going on? Oh to, yeah, yeah, oh, you yeah. Did. That's okay. when I've I, yeah I've published a lot of short stories over the years, and um, I just never had a big. And I, I'm one of these people who just needs a big old block of time if I'm thinking about uh, writing something long, so I, I could right. snatch an hour here and there between raising children and teaching students and, you know, being a wife and all of those things. But I just, right. I'm not one of those people who could get up at four in the morning and write for three hours before she went and right. taught school and got her own children off to school. So I waited right. until I retired to do the long work. Right. So you like so writing, yes, been, but. I, yeah. I've, yes. I've always written. 
but you weren't going to like say I you it, it, it didn't have to be your one and only thing you did. You it wasn't that kind right. of a relationship to novel. Okay. But so right. you retire and then when you do so that you clink the champagne, they they give you the cake. <laughs> you what? You go home. Did you start writing the novel the next day? How long did it take you to to sit down for the for the first to begin that to begin Bells for Eli? No, I I actually well I started writing more short stories and getting those published and as uh. I as I think I mentioned, I or I don't know if I mentioned it, but I work as a writer for Magic Time Literary Publicity. And right. we put authors on tour, and that threw me into the world of authors. And I, I met some really wonderful authors, and I began to go to some of the events and meet wonderful people. And I just, all of that fueled the desire. And, and after ah. a couple of years of working with the book publicity, it just it was just time it was just time right. i just sat down and one night and started and i'm not a model to follow i write at night um i Ooh. don't write in the morning and drink coffee like people are supposed to <laughs> but but i got it done right and uh and so what was aside from what you learned about humanity which is perhaps more important but what did you learn about storytelling telling this story this long format story one thing I learned is it's if if something's working, <laughs> your mind might tend to want to repeat that. Ah. Uh, my I have a really good friend who was my I guess you say alpha reader or maybe beta reader beta as well. Beta reader, yeah, he, yeah. Yes, he teaches uh, creative writing at the University of Miami, and he was kind enough to read my chapters. And I remember I had worked for hours on a chapter that I thought was really good. And right. I sent it to him the next day, and I get an email back, can this one. And I just about <laughs> dropped out of my seat. <laughs> I emailed him back this angry email. I said, I like this chapter. He said, yeah, well, you've already got a tower chapter. Find something else. Wow. Wow. <laughs> so, but, I, I mean, I loved writing the story, and the characters took me places I didn't know I would go. But I think that was kind of true for me. If something, if I'd written a really dramatic powerful scene and liked it, it it seemed like it would circle back around for me in a different <laughs> in a different right, way kind so, of kept doing it yeah yeah but anyway it all worked out and um it, it all worked out and i it's it's always good for a writer to have an editor always or yes. a reader whatever you want to call it somebody well, who will not pull punches and will tell you the truth yes and so you had a friend who's a creative writing teacher and he was a right. good beta reader, obviously. Uh, for those you guys, yes. you all know what beta readers are, I'm sure, if you're writers out there. But of course, that's different than an editor. Uh, so your publisher, I assume, were you happy with the editing editing you received at the publishing house? Yes, absolutely. And I, my agent is, um, she's she's old school agent, and she is as much an editor as she yeah. is an agent, and she was tremendously tremendously helpful i mean she she liked the original manuscript but i think we both felt like well she she told me she called me one day she said you know i think there needs to be something else that draws delia and eli together in a way so that they can never be separated and it's something that nobody else knows and i thought right. oh my oh. gosh what am i going to do and and uh -huh. i knew she was right i felt it and i got on my bicycle and I rode 15 miles, and by the time I got back, I had an idea. It was, it's a mystery that's woven in 
to the plot. It it really it, it just made the novel exactly I think what it needed to be. And I remember coming back in the house, and my husband started to ask me something. I said, "Do not say a word. Do not speak. <laughs> Do not speak until I get to that computer and bang out this idea in my head." Wow. But, but so, so my my agent was probably, I mean, because she's been she's been in the business forever, and she has managed some really terrific writers, and she was just invaluable. That's great. And you set the novel in the 60s, mostly in the 60s and 70s, it's like a coming-of-age story in, the, in a town it sounds like similar to uh, Spartanburg. Um, and, uh, Actually what smaller mi- than Spartanburg. But smaller, yeah. even smaller. Okay. Yeah, much smaller um, than Spartanburg, yeah. Um, so um, did, did you want to write about that time, or were you, how were you drawn to that? What, what made that setting what made you choose well, that setting? I came of age in the 60s. Uh, I grew up in a very small town in South Carolina. And during that time, it was, it was still a very insular period if you were, lived in the small town in the South. The counterculture was trying to break through, but it was right. very late do, doing so. And people just – it was very traditional values. It was if – you, if you watched – uh, Leave It to Beaver or My Three Sons, you know, those were the values that it, right. it, people were trying to live by. You know, whether it was real or not, that's what they were pretending <laughs> to do. Right. <laughs> of course, it wasn't real. We're all human. Right. But, right. but I wanted, um, you know, that was my time, and I I loved it, and I, I just I wanted to go back there. And the other reason is the novel is inspired by an event, an accident that actually happened to a first cousin of mine when he was two years old. My character, Eli, suffers a similar accident at a slightly later age because I needed my characters to have a memory. But my cousin drank Red Devil Live from a Coca-Cola bottle, and he survived, but his life was forever changed by that. And it was in in that time period, and it just, just made sense to me because when you had an accident like that in the late 50s, early 60s, you had a metal tracheotomy. You literally had a hole in your stomach with a plug that they pulled in and out. His parents fed him that way. Now, I didn't grow up with him. He was in Plainfield, New Jersey. I was in South Carolina. They later moved to North Carolina when, when we were older, um, and, and we got to be good friends as adolescents. But, you know, all of those things factored into putting right. him in a small-town southern setting in the 60s. Well, it's really, you know, I, I was wondering as I was reading it whether that event was autobiographical in some way. It just was so specific and so mm-hmm. felt so real. Um, not saying the rest of it didn't, but there was something about that detail that really stuck out to me. And I wondered if you had some personal yes. experience with it. Yes. And lo, you did. Because yes. there's, yes. there's something so powerful. The outsider is always so powerful. And, and if, so if something changes about you and you're not, you stick out and you're not acceptable in your, or not easily mm-hmm. acceptable in your form. I, this is what speaking about what it means to be human. I sometimes think the outsider teaches us so much about what a human being is uh, yes. making us yes. look at it differently. Right. Accept more. Right. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. And I, I wanted to see, I just, I wanted to investigate how, one misstep 
like that, an accident, can change the trajectory of a life and why it changes it and how it changes it and the influences right. on it. And I didn't know. I just sort of lived it with the character. And, of course, I wanted to have my female character, you know, I wanted her to live it with him. And, and right. she is, of course, right. deeply affected by it also. But, I, I, like I said, the, the novel is inspired by my cousin Danny's accident, but I didn't grow up with him. So... The plot, right. you know, is, is largely imagined. Right. Okay, so you finished it. And, uh, okay, so it's now uh, March 6th, 17th. Uh, we're in the middle of this pandemic, and people are now, all book tours are being closed down all across mm-hmm. the country. Oh, gosh, but you yes. did get an event. You got an event, and you got to go out and share it. What was that like for you? Oh, it was wonderful. I actually got eight days on on tour before I was shut oh, down, um, and right. I, I started out in Litchfield Beach, South Carolina, to a, at a wonderful luncheon, and went from there to the Southern Little Alliance in Chattanooga, Tennessee, where I did a writing workshop as well, speaking oh, of nice. writing workshops. And then I was in Southwest Florida last week, um, primarily for the Southwest Florida Reading Festival. But while I was there, I, I went to several other places, um, Copperfish Books, the um, Macintosh Books on Sanibel Island. So crowds were diminished because the, the scare was yeah. coming upon us. But, but there there were folks there, and I, and I loved engaging with them, and I loved being able to talk about cousin culture which is a big of course subject in my novel and I talked to another group about the small town south in the 60s and how the the conflicts there are are factor into the novel so I I had a lot of fun and I'm sorry it's come to a screeching halt for the moment (laughs) but but we'll adjust we'll adjust we will and and did you um how do you feel? Do you like being an author? You okay with that as a role? I am. What do you think? I am. Yeah? I am. I am okay with that. I, I, in the beginning, I said uh, to my husband, how am I going to stand up in front of this luncheon of 97 people and talk? And he said, well, you stood in front of students for That's probably right. you know, all those years. I said, yes, but they were a captured audience. <laughs> <laughs> they didn't have a choice. <laughs> but That's nevertheless, right. it was my job to engage them. That was my job. Yeah to engage them, to make them want to love literature. So in a way, there's not a whole lot of difference. Right. That's good. Yes, it prepared you for speaking in front of people, and I'll bet you yes. were perfectly comfortable there in the spotlight. I bet you were Well, okay. no, I, I, don't, I don't know if that, but I, but I enjoyed it. You know, I, I, I enjoy engaging um, with people. I do. And it, it yeah. comes from that long, many long hours in the classroom of, of being with students. Yeah, well, I often think of writers as teachers in a way. I feel like we've got we're sort of teaching a point of view. We're saying, "Look at this. I value this point of view. Let me show you why I think it's valuable." However, that comes across, whether it's in a poem or a novel. Mm-hmm. I've often thought of. I mean, I'm kind of more of a teacher now than I ever was before. But I thought I've always been sort of yes. a teacher in a way. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yes. I mean, you're a teacher even with your podcast. You know, it's, I it's ran, a different that's form true. of teaching. That's right. I agree. I agree. We're all teaching. You know what? We're all teaching one point or another. We're teaching something. It's just a question of what you're teaching. So teach something good. I like it. Well, all right. So now you've gotten one. You did one. I, I know you just did it, but the writers I know, they just can't keep stop themselves. Have you thought of writing another <laughs> one? 
I, I do have ideas for a second novel, and since we're talking about teaching, and since I know what it is to be a teacher, um, my thought for a second novel, I don't want to say too much and spoil it, but no. uh, I want to bring it up to a modern day, still Southern, but I'm thinking of a teacher and of a privileged upper class, uh, probably young white man, and of a um, underprivileged young woman, perhaps, of mixed race, and I want to put them together and put the teacher sort of in the middle of that and see what happens. See, I like it, and see what happens. See, this is the way it works, people. Don't have any objectives. <laughs> see what happens. See what happens. That's good. You know, it's, it's, it's true, though, Susan. If I write, I write these essays. I write about three or four essays a week, and oh my goodness, uh, this, you know, I know. But you know, I, I have ideas. But what I've learned is when I sit down to write them, I say to myself, "Don't you think you know what this is about? Go find out. Go find <laughs> yes, out. Yes. Don't think you know, yes. Bill. You think you know so much. Don't know. Yes. So it's good. Yeah. See what happens. Yeah, I think All when right. we write, it's it's a combination of discovery and a, 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 an idea that it sort of got our flame going to start it it's there right. but but then we have to discover along the way yeah we got to discover why why did it get my flame going i like that term mm -hmm. but do you, you know you why did it you don't know until you're ready okay so if people want to learn more about you Su susan they've listened to this podcast and they think god she's fascinating where can i learn more <laughs> where where can they go to learn more about susan um my website is susan and this strange last name, Zorinda, Z-U-R-E-N-D-A, SusanZorinda.com. Um, I'm on Facebook, um, Susan yeah. Zorinda, and on Instagram, Susan That's Zorinda. That's great. All right, so go check it out, people. I assume they can buy your book there, wherever. Okay, and hopefully, or maybe if, you, if your bookstores are open, you can go there, too. All right, yes, well, Susan. Yes, independent bookstores are selling it, as well as the usual online venues. Right. Well, so it's out or there. Outlets, all I right. Say. Well, people, all right. I'm going to let you go, but I'm not quite done with you, Susan. What I'd like you to do before okay. we wrap up here is I want you to finish this sentence for me. You've been talking about it, but maybe you have more to say about it. Finish this sentence. If writing has taught you anything, it's taught you what? It's taught me how to live larger and love more and have a greater understanding. Oh. Those are three great things. And writing all did that for you. That's great, Susan. You're awesome. <laughs> Congratulations. Well, thank you, Bill. And I just can't tell you how much I appreciate this conversation and you're having me on your Author to Author podcast. Well, you are very welcome, Susan. Good luck with the next book. Thank you so much, and thank you again. You're welcome. Love more people. Hey, you can't love enough. You can't love too much. It's not possible. Love is all there is. It's true. It's true. See, all right, you're all cooped up. You're all quarantined, but the podcast goes on. Yes, it does. I'm going to be back again next week. Don't worry. I'll be there. It's like talking to me, kind of. See, sort of like having someone to talk to. You can do the podcast. So I'll be back again next week with another fabulous author. I can't remember who, but somebody. And thank you, RJ Jeffries, my fabulous producer. Until then, think of something you love and find a way to do it somehow. Yes, indeed.
Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen. Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups. It's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, full work limited by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.